Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. A while back, I met with the Community Investment Manager at Manpower Group downtown, and we talked about this idea of ROI in the jobs that we both do. The way that Ellen Becker looks at this radio show is that it's an investment we make in our community. She told me that she had a colleague that refers to outreach as ROC and not ROI. I said, okay, you got me. What is ROC? And she said, return on community. Hmm, interesting. I like that. Here's the thing. The outreach that we all do is so far reaching that it's sometimes hard to quantify the ROI. There is, however, a collaboration of sorts in reaching out and helping in some ways that yields a direct return on how the community gets involved and responds to the information we share. We hope that by sharing with our community how our guests are making a difference, it'll inspire and encourage you to find a way to make a difference, which will inevitably increase our, our, our ROC, which is return on community. Today we'll be talking about childhood wishes. When you wish upon a star. Makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you, right? Pinocchio, I believe, said that. It makes no difference what your challenge is either. Uh, We're going to learn about an organization today who is instrumental in making these wishes come true for countless children with life-threatening medical conditions. And then we'll talk specifically about a topic that has probably touched more people than I care to admit, my family included. Cancer has been a topic that has increased, uh, has, has had a massive increase in awareness because of how many people have been diagnosed or who have a close family member that's been diagnosed. It seems like every time I turn around, somebody is being diagnosed. We'll be talking with a family that has been through this hell not once but twice, and they're going to share with us the outstanding work that they're doing with their nonprofit in the way of research. My first guest today is Forrest Doolin, who is the Director of Marketing and Communications for Make-A-Wish Wisconsin, and he is joined by Lauren Nelson, who was a recipient of a wish back in 2001. Welcome to the show, Forrest and Lauren. Hello. Thank you for having us. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. We are so happy to have you here. So let's start with you, Forrest. Why Make-A-Wish? What is it about them that made you say, I want to be involved with this great organization? Make-A-Wish, at the heart of it, it's the mission. I mean, the mission is the most compelling thing for me uh, to be able to help give families uh, and children in particular with critical illnesses an experience that can really impact their lives in such a positive way um, that when, as soon as I heard about it, I mean, I knew that was a place that would be a, a really fulfilling place for me to be and a place for me to give my time and, and to work and uh, really try to make a difference. And um, I've been really fortunate uh, to be able to work with such an outstanding organization. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, we cover the entire state of Wisconsin, our Make-Wish chapter does. And uh, we are granted, actually just last week, we granted our 6,500th wish since Make-Wish opened its doors in Wisconsin in 19. 84. Wow. And 1984. So, yeah. That many wishes. Yeah. 
In Wisconsin specifically. Just in Again, Wisconsin. Just talking Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And we're granting 400 wishes a year now in just in Wisconsin. And so to know that uh, 400 children and 400 families and 400 communities of people are being impacted by the power of these wishes uh, was so significant um, and is so significant to me. Um, I can't imagine doing anything else, to be perfectly honest. And to know uh, that working with an organization that makes such a difference, not just it's, you know, a lot of people sometimes think of a wish as something that's just a nice thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, Oh, it's a trip or, Oh, it's a shopping spree or it's just a nice little thing, but it's not, it is so much more than that because it makes such a difference in these kids' lives. It affects them mentally, emotionally, and often, so often uh, it affects them physically as well because it really changes their mindset and it gives them that positive thing to look forward to. And we hear time and time again, how it's not just, just the one, the, the experience itself, whatever that is, it's the all the anticipation and, and building up to and the incredible memories afterwards. We hear all the time from families that they just go back and they keep reliving those memories and uh, and it keeps them going. And, and there's different kinds of, of things. I mean, again, we talk about some of the more popular ones like going to Disneyland. and um, But we actually have one of our wealth advisors in our office, Ann Mank. Uh, whose daughter was a recipient of a wish. And she had a really interesting wish. Can you tell she us about did. that? She did. Abby wished to be in a video game. And so we were fortunate enough, there was a, a company in Madison that we were able to work with that actually creates video games for the classroom. And so this wish, not only, I mean, Abby got to go and she, they they designed a character all around her that looked just like her. She got to record her voice. And now she's in this video game that's actually being utilized in classrooms all over the country. That is so cool. Wasn't it, was it an amazing. avatar? I mean, is that the yeah, right term? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they made an yeah. avatar. It was an avatar yeah. character. Oh and my gosh. That is so cool. now she's in this video game and that's forever. And the experience was so powerful for her and her family. We have a video. You can go to our YouTube channel and, and look it up. And uh, she just, the, the joy on her face and you the excitement. You can definitely see it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the whole family. Like you said, these wishes are for the whole family. And to see her mom and dad participating in that and yeah. just watching the joy uh, on her face, it was it's, it's wonderful. What are um, some of your other more memorable wishes that you can share with us? You know, one of the most memorable wishes for me was uh, for a little boy named Brady who lives out in, uh, lived out in Exonia, uh, just west of Oconomowoc. And it, Brady wished to have a playground for children with special needs. Brady was limited. He had a mitochondrial disorder. And so he was in a wheelchair and uh, so had some limitations himself. And But he, he didn't want the playground equipment just for himself. He wanted it for other kids as well. And so we worked with their community and ended up putting a special playground in their fireman's park. And so Brady got to be there when they were putting in the, the sidewalk and put his hands in the cement and he had his own little hard hat. He got to play with some of the equipment as they were installing it. Um, and unfortunately, just a couple days before the dedication of the new playground, Brady had an episode and passed away. Mm, and so, so we left it up to the family what they wanted to do. And they still wanted to do this dedication in his memory and honor. And so that Saturday, more than 300 people came out from the community to be part of this really special dedication. And 
for me, the reason that, you know, that I love Make-A-Wish so much is, is that exact thing. Mm-hmm. It, the ripple effect and the, the numbers of people that it, it, it impacts and this selfless decision of this little boy who could wish for anything yes. and chose to wish for something that not only would benefit him, but others. Um, it was just so beautiful and yeah. touching and meaningful. And, Talk about um, an ROC, you yeah. know, how it touched, reached out and touched the community. And actually that was on TV, right? That made news. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it was very far reaching. Absolutely. And to this day, there is a, uh, it's out there. There's a permanent sign in his honor and his memory. And you can go out and see it. And his family still goes and visits and Mm -hmm. children are using that to this day. That's fantastic. You know, I think, gosh, how there's so many wonderful opportunities out there. Uh, to make a wish come true. How do you possibly decide whose wish you're going to pick? We'll be back in a moment to find out how that process works. Stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Forrest Doolin from Make-A-Wish and Lauren Nelson. Okay, so let's walk through the process here. We have a special guest today, uh, as I said, Lauren Nelson, who was actually a recipient of a wish back in 2001. So, Lauren, did your parents reach out to Make-A-Wish or did someone else refer you? Someone else referred our family, uh, Dr. Carol Diamond at UW Children's Hospital, and her staff referred both me and my sister to Make-A-Wish. Okay, so it comes from somebody else, uh, potentially, uh, or it can come from the parents. So Forrest, let's, let's talk through this process. And then after that, Lauren, I would love for you to explain from your perspective what it meant to have your wish granted. So, so what's the process, Forrest? How do we start? It all starts with that referral. Uh, a lot of our referrals do come from the medical community. However, anyone can really refer a child to make a wish. And ultimately, we will need to speak to the family. And ultimately, then we also then need to communicate with the treating physician. And uh, basically, we submit a form to the child's treating physician. Doctor signs off and says, this is what the child has and they do qualify for a wish. And if that, once we get that, then, then that child will receive a wish. Um, we, that is the only qualification for make a wish. Uh, so, to- so again, you, you, sorry to interrupt, but you, you're saying, and when we met prior uh, to our recording here, I wasn't aware every child Every child that is approved gets their wish granted. I think that's that's phenomenal. Yeah, the only thing they have to be between the ages of two and a half and eighteen at the time okay. of referral, and they can't have received a wish from another from either Make Wish or another organization. And so, and then they just medically qualify, and that's it. And okay. so, um, and once that referral and that approval happens, then we send out two volunteer wish granters who go and meet with the child and their family. They get to know them, and they really work at figuring out what is that child's one true wish. And then once we know that information, we actually submit a second approval form to the treating physician um, for the doctor's sign off on whatever that wish is. Because sometimes a child might not be able to travel and if they want to. So 
we want to make sure that the wish is medically appropriate for the child. Once that's done, then it's all anticipation and planning. Our wish coordinators and wish granters are working on you know, developing and creating that wish experience and, uh, and leading ultimately up to that wish. And then the wish is granted and, uh, and then there are amazing memories and a really powerful experience. Oh, that'd be so fantastic to be a part of that. You know, you've got a great job. I I think that's fantastic. Uh, And Lauren, you have a great story. Um, Very interesting. Uh, Would you share with us, you know, what what actually happened with you and then what it was like to be uh, uh, to have your wish granted? Of course. Uh, back in the June of 2000, my younger sister, Sarah, was actually diagnosed with Wilms tumor um, before I was. And then six months later, I was diagnosed with the same cancer, just in my opposite kidney. And it really, the wish really affected my parents, I think, the most. Um, we were young and we loved our wishes. But for my parents, having to watch their two daughters go through surgery and then go through months of chemo after, like the wishes were just a chance for my parents to reconnect with us away from hospitals, away from doctor's appointments, away from chemo, away from the medicine. It was just, yeah. it was and you num- were only, your, your sister was three and you were seven, right? Is Correct. that what you're telling yeah. me? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, Make-A-Wish has given me so much of who I am. I don't think without my Make-A-Wish, I would be half the woman I am. And when I say that, I really has instilled in me a philanthropic heart. Mm -hmm. Um, A few years ago for my 22nd birthday, I was actually inspired by a 60-minute episode um, about a wish kid named Caden who had wished to go to Australia. And the episode is just beautiful. And it touched me. And I realized that I wanted to make a difference. There were people out there in the community who had made a difference in my life by being able to grant my Make-A-Wish. And I just wanted to give back. And so for my birthday, I decided to start a fundraiser on GoFundMe. And the goal was to raise $220 in honor of my 22nd birthday. And the fundraiser ended up raising over 1200 Oh, yay. So, fantastic. Thank you. And it was just amazing to connect with the Make-A-Wish team. And on my 22nd birthday, I bust down to Make-A-Wish in Wauwatosa and uh, handed the check off and met Kelsey and Forrest and Andrea. And that feeling of just knowing that I was making a difference in some child's life, the same way that someone made an impact in my family's life, was that's how I knew that I wanted to get involved every chance that I could. And so the next year for my 23rd birthday, I wanted to go bigger. So I contacted um, a family friend who had supported the Make-A-Wish fundraiser the year before who owned a bar. And I said, hey, let's do something big this year. Let's do a meat raffle and silent auction. So for two months, we planned a meat raffle and silent auction in my hometown. And the goal was to raise $5,000 to grant Henry's wish. And Henry's wish was the same wish my sister made 17 years ago to go to Disney World. And the fundraiser ended up raising over $7,000. Wow. And so we sent Henry on his wish. And I got to meet Henry. He showed up to the fundraiser unexpectedly. And it was Wow. How fulfilling that has got to be. I mean, it, it tells, it should tell everybody the difference one person can make. You know, it takes one person exactly. to just make a change, and that's that's wonderful. Now, your wish specifically, what, your sister wanted to go to Disneyland? Yes, she wanted to meet Minnie Mouse. That was her specific wish. Okay. Well, where does Minnie Mouse live? Disney World. Right. So, and she's three. And so she's three, yes. Sure, sure. And we stayed at Give Kids a World, which is just an unbelievable place where kids with life-threatening illnesses go on their make-a-wish. And when you walk into Give Kids a World, everything changes. Like, your illness doesn't define who you are. Mm-hmm. Your 
situation in life doesn't define who you are. Everyone is just there enjoying time with their family away from the hardships they're facing at that point in time. And uh, my make-a-wish was to actually see the statue of Balto, which is the dog that saved the children of Nome, Alaska. And the statue of Balto happens to be located in Central Park in New York City. So Mm -hmm. my parents were very thrilled that it was in New York City (laughs) and not in the middle of nowhere somewhere. And again, your whole family got to experience not only the New York trip, but the the Disney trip. So um, you actually had an opportunity to celebrate twice, which is wonderful. I mean, to be stricken two times, your family, that really is is something. Um, but you've been through a lot, and you've, you're here to tell your story. So congratulations on that. And Thank that's you. wonderful. And you're finding a way to give back. And, and that's what this show is about, you know, for listeners to, to hear how other people are, are having an impact and to say, you know what, I can do that. I'm capable of doing even a little something. Like you said, the first time you did it, you raised how much the first time you said? It was a little over 1200 Okay, which is awesome. And then the next time you did it, you raised 7000 I mean, who knows what's around the corner now the next time. Um, so that's fantastic. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Um, now, we want to understand how someone uh, can get involved. If there are listeners out there that are saying, much like Forrest was talking about, when you hear about this organization, you say, this is great. This is a fantastic organization. I want to get involved somehow. What are my options? You can volunteer in a variety of ways. Uh, we need wish granters, uh, certainly, that are the liaisons who meet with the children and their families. And then we also need help in our office. So we also have folks who come and, and volunteer in our office each week. And then we also need lots of help with events. Uh, volunteers help make our events run every year. And there's a number of events uh, throughout the state and certainly a, a number of events right here in the Milwaukee area uh, where volunteers can really make a difference. Um, people can also certainly make contributions. Um, they can hold their own fundraisers. They can do what Lauren did. Yeah, and whether yeah. it's a birthday fundraiser or whether it's your child having a lemonade stand or whether you do something through your workplace. I was going to say corporate you know, sponsorships. Enjoy, you know, encourage yeah. your, you know, ask your company if you can do a jeans day. I mean, there's so many different ways that people can get involved. Um, one of my favorite things about Make-A-Wish is that it takes the entire community to, to do this work. It's not about a small staff. It, it is about the whole community. And so there's a place for everybody. Yeah. Um, Again, it's that res- collaboration of it is. resources and just people's time, their talents, their resources. There's a place for, for everybody, like you said. I love the idea of the wish granters. I mean, that's when we talked prior to it. was like, I, I would love to do that. Um, can you just elaborate a smidge sure. on that, that piece of it? Because I think maybe the other ones are self-explanatory, I think. Um, yeah. More so. so our wish granters, we, we do train them. And wish granters will go and every wish has two wish granters assigned and so those wish granters will go and meet with the child meet with the family uh, they'll help you know the family fill out some paperwork and then they'll also really work with the family to determine the heart of the child's wish and then once that is all figured out they stay in contact with the family throughout the process they might send a few encouraging notes they might drop off a little birthday present or mm-hmm. some a little send them a little something just again continuing to build that anticipation and then ultimately when it's time for the wish they'll do some sort of wish celebration, whether it's, uh, you know, bringing a cake and some balloons and the itinerary for their up, 
upcoming Disney wish or going to Hawaii, or whether it's a shopping spree wish, they might go with the child and their family on the shopping spree wish, or you know they'll be hosting a party to unveil the new camper, or the new horse, or whatever the wish may be. So, mm-hmm. um, so it really is uh, an honored position to to be in contact with those families throughout. Absolutely, and then I think about what a blessing it is that you know you're 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 able to nurture that relationship, but then think about going forward. You know, I imagine many of those wish granters have relationships that carry a lot on of our past. A lot of them yeah. do. I mean, we certainly, you know, it's always up to the family how much contact they, they want. Uh, every family is different, but certainly a lot of our wish granters do have those relationships going forward. And, and a lot of our wish granters, you know, they'll create, some of them will create a bracelet and they'll add a new charm for every wish they've granted. We had one wish granter do a tattoo that, that highlighted the number of wishes oh, okay. that she had granted. I mean, wow. it really makes a, a difference in these wish granters' lives. I bet, yeah. Wow. My wish grant um, they found out about my fundraiser last year through the Make-A-Wish event page, and they actually showed up to the fundraiser. So it was really great to connect with them 17 years later because they saw my event on the page and wanted to come well, that is say great. hi. So. Wow. Yeah, see, that's, that's just awesome. Well, talking about events, I think we should talk about an event that you have coming up um, and the YP involvement, Lauren, that you have. Um, there's many opportunities over and above what we already discussed on ways to get involved, but let's talk about the events that you have coming up. Sure. Uh, we have a great event called Wear White for Wishes. It's being hosted by our Young Professionals Group, Young Wishmakers of Wisconsin, of which Lauren is a new member of. Yay. And Congratulations, uh, Lauren. Thanks. <laughs> Wear White for Wishes is taking place on September 7th. It's going to be at Chrome at Har- the Harley-Davidson Museum. And it's going to be an evening of food and beer pairings. Uh, they're going to have all kinds of entertainment. They've got Harley a, rides? Uh, no Harley rides. <laughs> They've got decept- deception artists, and I think they have a palm reader and all kinds of different okay. fun entertainment going on throughout the evening. Um, and then there'll be a silent auction, and it is a fundraiser to raise funds to help grant another wish for a Wisconsin child. Um, it's designed for young professionals, but anybody can attend. Um, tickets are available at wisconsin.wish.org slash white. Okay. And then as far as contact information, you have a a website, a Facebook page. Yeah. So our website is wisconsin.wish.org. And there is a wealth of information of ways to get involved and, you know, whether it's volunteering, donating, whatever you want to do, all that is available at our website. You can follow us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Wisconsin wish. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Flickr. So you can just do a search for make a wish Wisconsin. Flickr is a, 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 social network uh, for photographs, so ah, specifically for photographs. Okay. Boy, I learned something new every time, right? Okay. Well, thank you for being here to share how you're making wishes come true for children with life-threatening medical conditions here in Wisconsin. We appreciate the difference you make, not only for the child, but for the whole family. So thank you that uh, you have allowed these children to dream. Many people know that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and there are many people and organizations that participate in pink campaigns. June is National Cancer Survivor Month, and Orange Sun in the month of May represents skin cancer. So what specifically is dedicated to childhood cancer? When we come back, we'll be talking with a local mother-daughter dynamic duo who will tell us about their G9 organization, which will answer that question. Stay tuned to learn more. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. 
Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guests are Sarah Bartos and her daughter, Annie, from G9, which is a nonprofit organization committed to raising funds for childhood cancer research. Welcome to our show, Sarah and Annie. Thank you so much, Jill. We love being here and we appreciate the opportunity to share with your listeners a little bit of information about Golden September or G9 as we call it. And we're, we're really excited to be here. Awesome. We're excited to hear what you've got to say. Um, Sarah, as parents, one of the main things we wish for is to have our children grow up healthy and happy. Tell our listeners about the day that changed the life of your family and your son, Jack. My husband, John, and I felt as though we were living the dream. We had uh, two wonderful kids, um, twins, Annie and Jack, and we were approaching their fourth birthday when Jack just started to develop an illness. And I somehow in the pit of my stomach knew that there was something very wrong. Um, The fateful day was September 23rd of 2005 when we took a seemingly healthy um, little blonde four-year-old boy to Children's Hospital of Wisconsin and found out that he had a stage four cancer um, looming in his body. Quite honestly, those are words that no parent can ever expect to hear, that no parent ever wants to hear. It is a it is a worst nightmare come true. Yeah. All we hope for is health and happiness for our kids. Um, so our odyssey began um, in a sea of treatments and a search for a cure in 2005. We traveled the country um, in search of a cure. Jack's cancer proved to be very, very difficult to treat. Um, It was elusive, um, as many cancers are, and we were determined that we would either find a therapy or help to develop a new therapy if we needed to do that and work with doctors um, to fundraise, whatever needed to happen. One thing that um, is just so special is how happy Jack always was, always happy, always hopeful, um, never never feeling sorry for himself, always wanting to do for others, always wanting to help others be happy, encouraging everyone to just be happy, one of Jack's very famous quotes. But Jack passed away. Um, it's nearly six years to the day um, in August here that uh, we lost Jack after nearly seven years of battling neuroblastoma. It was um, a reality that... Um, I think I was, I felt that I was prepared for, that I felt probably was likely, but we always felt that hope was in reach. And we always felt that we could just get there if we could just get a little bit further down the road, if science could get a little bit further down the road, that there would be a treatment, that there would be an option for him. Um, And it just didn't happen for us. Uh, There is honestly no recovery for a parent when losing a child. There is no word for a parent who has lost a child, um, quite simply, because there is no word that could possibly articulate the pain um, and the sorrow enough. But my hope is that um, the pain of the loss will lessen. Um, I often, as many parents do, equate it to uh, a scar or a scab that we hope will heal over but we don't necessarily want it to ever go away um, because the love continues to grow. It's just that that scar will always remain. And sometimes it breaks open um, and there's bleeding, but over time, um, the love just continues to grow. Um, and the agony is is something that 
you just learn to live with and that you don't really want to go away Yeah, because it's a, a reminder of, of the love that I'm so lucky to have had. Yeah. Always loved and never forgotten, right? Always. Absolutely. Yeah. Jack isn't the only family member, though, who battled cancer in your family. Um, tell us about your husband, John. My husband, John, uh, prior to us meeting, um, we met when he was 25. Uh, my husband, John, was diagnosed with cancer um, during his law school years um, when he was 23 years old. So again, prior to us knowing each other, but diagnosed again out of nowhere, very healthy, doing great, a good student, all of those things. Um, and he was diagnosed with liposarcoma, completely different cancer than what our son Jack had. Um, absolutely no genetic or, or relation. Um, the cancers were, are not connected whatsoever. So I often say that our family was quite literally struck by lightning twice. We just had two lightning strikes. Unfortunately, they were devastating ones. Um, John was offered the possibility of a cure at 24 when he relapsed um, and w sought treatment uh, at for a novel therapy that was newly developed. And what happened is that it did cure his cancer. And we feel blessed. I feel blessed to have had um, a wonderful marriage of nearly 20 years with him. But the reality is that sometimes though the treatments might be the cure, but it's the side effects and yeah. the long-term effects of those treatments that yeah. we just don't hear about very much. And but isn't it about the five-year marker where the Cancer Society uses to determine if you are deemed cancer-free? Yes. Yeah. Everybody knows about these cure rates, but they are all five-year survival rates. Jack survived nearly seven years with his cancer. Jack, my son, is considered a survivor. My husband, John, survived 24 years. He, too, is considered a survivor. But the side effects of the radiation treatments that he received just slowly had a very devastating effect on his body. And John passed away um, in March of 2016 as a result of his cure. Um, I can't even describe um, what that loss has been like for our family, a second loss. John was an advocate, a cheerleader, um, and, and a wonderful human being, uh, giving to other cancer charities and other nonprofit efforts with um, his legal services. So he did a lot for the world of cancer, and I'm just grateful that he has left such a positive mark on this world. Yes. I'm determined that we will continue for Jack and for John to leave a positive mark on this world. To go through that undescribable pain uh, with your child is heart-wrenching. Um, but to go through it two times, I mean, I, I can only imagine. You know, I'm so sorry for your for your pain. I mean, I, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, Annie, when your brother passed away, you, uh, at just 10 years old, Asked your parents a simple question that has grown into a national effort. Tell us about that. Yeah. So when I found out that my brother wasn't going to make it anymore and he was losing his fight with cancer, I was just upset because I felt that only the families that were directly affected by this disease were aware of what was going on. So I, I asked them what the color and month for childhood cancer are, and they told me that the color is gold and September's the month just like how pink and October, the color for breast cancer, 
Golden September is the representation for childhood cancer. So I just thought Golden September, it can't get much simpler than that. And it's really helping raise awareness for childhood cancer. And we hope not just in September, but if we can focus on starting the awareness in the gold pride, I guess, like um, in September, hopefully we can grow it to year long support of childhood cancer. And I just think, I think that kids come first because they're our future and they're growing to what our society could be one day. So if we don't focus on our future, what are we setting ourselves up for? And I believe that everyone can take action to help kids, not just the families directly affected. Anyone can make a difference, whether it be as small as donating your weekly allowance to your local childhood cancer foundation, your local hospital, or helping raise awareness, uh, create awareness campaigns, turning your school gold for a football game, turning your office gold, having even having your own fundraiser. And you can do anything just as small as a penny or something as big as a huge event. Any amount counts, right? Yeah. yeah. And part of it, too, is the awareness because you can't raise money and you can't help find new cures without having awareness about the disease itself. And so that's a big part of Golden September is not only helping fund the research, but also finding a way to just have everyone be aware of what's going on and be proud to help support it. And my dad played a huge role in helping to establish Golden September. So losing him when I was in eighth grade was really hard because he saw my vision, he saw my idea, and built it into something tangible and real that's helping many kids' lives today. And when I think of him and how much he's endured and how much he suffered as a quote-unquote survivor, I know that we have to keep pushing for change and better outcomes because if the treatment ended up killing a 23-year-old, what is it doing to a three-year-old yeah um so I just think that kids kids are a future and we need to help everyone but in order to ensure success a kid cured of cancer could later help find a new cure for a different disease so we need to help raise awareness and eventually funding so we can give kids the opportunity to help others that's you articulate very well young lady and you're thank you you're doing great, great work. You're a great example to me and to many people, I'm sure, of of what one person is capable of doing. We had talked about uh, with Lauren prior uh, in the previous segment where she had re- helped to raise funds as a WISH recipient. She wanted to turn it around and give back and uh, make people aware that every little thing counts. And I remember um, I live out in the Arrowhead School District and uh, I remember the I Back Jack campaign at Swallow School with all the yellow ribbons and uh, it just made everybody aware and everybody knows about that out in, in that area. So it's wonderful. And yeah, now Arrowhead goes gold for a football game every September. We get shirts made that say go in September on the front and has Arrowhead on the back. So it's, I'm really proud to say that my high school does amazing things to support Golden September, but I know other high schools do the same. If it's not, they're making T-shirts. I know other schools, football games always have a theme in the student section. I know other schools in September have had a gold theme, even if they don't get the shirts made. And just that spiral of awareness starting with high schoolers 
can just blossom into something so much bigger. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I was in the office this morning, and one of my coworkers had mentioned that the Chicago Pediatric Center is doing a hashtag turn Wrigley gold campaign where they have the Chicago Cubs wearing gold jerseys and gold hats, uh, gold bats, gold gloves. And I said, you know, how do you, how how do you think they heard about that? And she said, well, obviously they heard about Annie and G9. So (laughs) that's, that's fantastic. So you're doing a great job. Um, And no one could blame Sarah and Annie for giving up hope, but they turned their darkness into sunshine, golden sunshine, actually. Stay tuned to find out how they turned their grief into millions of dollars to help others. We'll be right back. Leaving a legacy means something different for everyone, and we want to help you build yours. Hi, I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Each day, we help our clients build their legacy from both a financial and a personal perspective. We meet our clients where they are and help them determine the best route to meet their goals. Our advisors work to preserve our clients' legacies and help transfer that legacy to the next generation. If your advisor isn't working to build or preserve your legacy, call us at 262-691-3200 or visit ellenbecker.com. For a complimentary consultation in our Pewaukee, Whitefish Bay, and Bonita Springs, Florida location, we are committed to building strong, lifelong relationships with our clients. Advisory services offered through Ellen Becker Investment Group, EIG, a registered investment advisor. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Julie Conamo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach for Ellen Becker, and I'm talking with Sarah Bartos and her daughter, Annie. Annie, people remember you and some guy named Aaron Rogers. I think I know that name from somewhere. When you went door to door together in 2014 telling people about G9. Um, what has happened in the last four years? Well, I just remember thinking four years ago that something special was happening. And it doesn't hurt having my favorite quarterback help me out. <laughs> um, and that it's green and gold. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's a help. <laughs> but in, the reality is that I am still a kid, well, now a teenager. Um, and I had to turn to the best person I knew that could help run the effort, and that's my mom. And with my mom's leadership, G9 has grown to something more than I could have ever imagined from students participating in G9 Penny Wars and creating gold fundraisers to golden, a golden celebration gala with celebrity chefs and gold out brewer games to big checks and press conferences and radio interviews like these. I'm amazed, humble proud and very excited about what's to come in the future. Yeah, well, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Um, there are other accolades. Now, don't be shy. Let's let's hear about, uh, I, I was actually at the Women of Distinction, um, was it two years ago or last year? And Annie was the recipient of the Young Woman of Tomorrow Award. Um, so you, that, that was fantastic, but wasn't there, you know, I'm sure there are a number of them, but what, what was the other one that we were just talking about? Yeah. Um, I was, so the young woman of tomorrow award was, I was really honored to be recognized by an amazing local charity like, like that. And just to know that 
what my foundation has been doing is recognized, but I also a few years ago was recognized by the Massachusetts General Hospital as one of the top 100 people in the world making a difference in the cancer community. So that was, I never could have imagined that. And I'm so honored to have received that and be, be in a room with people from all over the world. And then even in that group of people to be picked as one of the handfuls that they made a video about and played my specific story at this fantastic event with all these amazing people was, Mm. um, again, I just could never have imagined it. And I'm so grateful that Golden September is recognized, but also that I have people like my mom who, again, took something... 10-year-old, 12-year-old's dream and made it something tangible that's now affecting so many other people. Yeah. You are doing wonderful things, young lady. At what, 17? 16. I'm 17 in a month and a half. Oh my gosh. Wow. And I'm sure your dad and your brother Jack are so proud. Yeah. Um, Sarah, tell us about the evolution of G9. Well, Annie is right. She was 10 years old when she said, we need to do something. Um, my husband, John and I said, what, what do you envision that being? Um, and she said, we need people to be aware of gold in September. And at that point we didn't know that this would, uh, effort would be called gold in September, but she said people could play for gold in September, sing for gold in September. They can punt, pass, kick, bat, um, Shop. Mm, I can do that. I can do that very well, actually. (laughs) Right. We can all do something. And it really became this idea of insert a verb and do something for gold in September. So needless to say, the evolution was, I think this is called gold in September. Um, At just 10 years old. At just 10 years old. And then she said... But it really needs to look kind of cool so people will take notice. So fortunately, we had some help. And G for gold, nine for the ninth month of September, became G9. And fortunately, I think she was then 11, said, okay, right, that's cool. So <laughs> that was got to have that cool factor. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> she just wanted it to be cool not because cancer is cool and not because we want to make cancer comfortable or we want to minimize the the seriousness of the topic, but it has to be something that people will notice and take notice of and feel compelled to want to make a difference. Something positive. Mm -hmm. There have to be some positives that come out of cancer. And I firmly believe that if our family can find some positives out of cancer, having lost two members of our family, that other people um, can can play a role in, in making sure that other families don't have to feel like our family feels. There are hundreds of organizations fighting childhood cancer in the U.S., and they are all having a positive impact. Um, But this issue is growing. Um, Childhood cancer rates are increasing, and it's too big to fight separately. We can't all um, take this on individually. So G9 wants to be the driver to help unite, literally to help be the sun shining. And if the sun shines gold, then and we water that tree with hope, the roots of all of the foundations and all of the efforts will just continue to grow and flourish and the tree will get bigger. The hope will grow. This is the image of, of G9. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to 
honestly, multiply the power of organizations, of hospitals, of foundations, of individuals like Annie and Sarah, who just simply want to bring an end to childhood cancer and help find cures and help find hope. Yeah, and I have no doubt that you're capable of achieving that, most as evidenced in what's been happening so far. Uh, after losing both your son to cancer, uh, Sarah, and your uh, your husband to the late effects, you're now running the G9 Foundation. You're being uh, a wife, a mother, a caregiver, an advocate, a fundraiser. You are doing it all. Uh, how do you how do you do it? I think I'm a little tired. Yeah. Um, in all honesty, coffee. but coffee, yeah, coffee's yeah. yeah. coffee's a positive. Um, but in all seriousness. Um, I don't think anyone can be well positioned and I don't like to think that everything I've done led to this because I I would say that this has been a little bit more than I can handle or that anyone can handle. Uh, But I was working for the American Cancer Society in nonprofit fundraising when Jack was diagnosed and I have spent my entire career in philanthropy. I often say, people say, why do you keep doing, you know, G9? Why do you stay in this space? But This is all I've ever done. My first job at 21 years old out of college was the American Cancer Society. And my passion has always been in trying to help uh, raise money for cancer research. So I think everything has really culminated in my desire to say, this is something I can do and I will do, because if not me, then who? And if somebody would have done this 10 years ago or 10 years before Jack had been diagnosed, maybe Jack would still be here. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I can give that hope to another family. So my hope is that our mission for G9 to grow awareness, inspire action, and fund fund research for childhood cancer um, with a vision of coloring the world gold until every child everywhere survives and finds hope. Mm-hmm. Those are the two important statements that drive me every day. Wow. Well, hope is always within reach. And I, I absolutely believe that 100%. And to be instrumental in giving that hope that you both do is so awesome. Um, so, Era, Annie and Sarah, how, how can we help? What are some things that we can do? Well, we are coming up on the month of September. And on the G9 website, goldinseptember.com, you can find... Um, an article or a a printout on nine ways to grow gold. And we want this to be something that's easy. As Annie alluded to earlier, there are school programs. Uh, We have G9 Penny Wars, but we also have other youth programs. There are some great corporate programs that can be done easily in the workplace. And we've had great success even with a Penny War in in a workplace. It's a wonderful, fun activity. Um, Fundraisers, the opportunity to partner with G9. Again, I think if we can come up with ways to give people that verb Mm -hmm. to be able to shop, I was just going to say, remember shop, shop, um, shop, shop. Shop, shop, shop. So I think the more shops that would offer an opportunity to say, if you bought your groceries or if you have dinner here, if you buy a sub sandwich here, whatever that might be, eat a pizza for gold in September. Right. I think that there's an opportunity there to say we are going to donate and, and not ask people to make great changes to their lifestyle or sign up for more events. There are a lot of organizations doing a lot of great events. We just want to help supplement that and and find other ways for people to make a difference. Awesome. Well, Sarah and Annie, I must say you two are an inspiration to me and I'm sure to many others. Thank you for being brave and persistent in your mission. 
Uh, I want to thank all our guests today, Forrest Doolin from Make-A-Wish Wisconsin and uh, Make-A-Wish recipient Lauren Nelson and Sarah and Annie Bartos from G9. We thank you for all the wonderful work you do on behalf of children in Wisconsin and across the country. And if you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or call our office at 262-691-3200. You can also visit our website at ellenbecker.com and listen to the podcast. You can also ask Alexa for help by saying, Alexa, play WISN AM 1130 on your Amazon device. Join us again in two weeks as we talk with other inspiring guests who will share information about how they're having an impact and making a difference regarding issues that affect our community. We hope that this will inspire you to use your passion, your talents, your energy, even to go shop, to make a difference and get involved with a local nonprofit in your community and bless someone in some way. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great night.